Hey, welcome to our weekend. We're so glad to have you join us for the message. Yes, we are online. We hate it as much as you do, but it's a great tool to continue to give you the message. You've had a great moment of worship. I hope you engaged and got involved. We're so close. We'll talk about that more in days to come. So the message today is called Sound the Trumpet. And I think it really fits where we are today as a church and as a people. You know, in the Bible times, in the Old Testament, they used a trumpet for a couple important reasons. One of the first was to call the people together for battle. They also used trumpets and horns in the midst of their celebration and worship. So I'm going to use that kind of as the theme today. And that is the story that we find today in Nehemiah. And they were building the broken walls of the city of Jerusalem. And so as we begin, we talk about sound the trumpet for building or for battle. Let me read you the verses today. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. A lot of things were happening there, obviously working at the same time with a sword and a trumpeter ready to go. The next verse, then Nehemiah explained to the nobles and the officials of all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. And so sometimes in life, you're kind of feeling alone and maybe through this process with JFC and our transition, you've been a little isolated and alone and yet you're still a part of this process. It's important to understand that. And then the last verse, it's really important to this message today. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it's sounding. Then our God will fight for us. Sometimes in our church, sometimes in our personal lives, we think we do all the right God things and we're good to go. We totally forget that it is God who is at work in our lives fighting for us. We're not alone. We have each other, but we also have God at work in our lives. Now, look, there's a parallel focus in this message today. One, I want to talk about our church. You have, and every week we get a lot of questions. What's happening at JFC? What's happening in the process? And so I want to talk about that, but I don't want to just leave it to our church. I want to talk to you about our own personal lives and what is taking place there. So let's look at uh, this message in the context of both of those areas. The question is, what is it like to build and battle at the same time? I'm kind of a single-minded, focused person. I kind of like to just get in and do one thing and then other things next on the list. And so uh, I can imagine trying to be aware and alert to everything going on and yet trying to accomplish a task. I, I think it'd be very difficult. What is it like to build and battle at the same time? Look at our church. No question, no question in our culture, in our time, there's been some hard years. COVID, long COVID, vertically challenged COVID, Whatever kind of COVID you're thinking about is out there. We have a nation that's very divided at this time. We have supply chain issues, shortages. We're facing inflation. We have culture wars over abortion, gender, and we have a war across the seas that's taking place. A lot of things are going on. How in the world do we build and battle at the same time? Nehemiah found there was serious opposition to the middle of their work. 
And so here's the reality. We thought, honestly, we would be in this building and I get to be here today. This is the kids room, one of many rooms that we're going to experience. And uh, it's an amazing place. I, I hope you've been able to see it. If not, we're soon. But what was it like to build at a time like this, thinking that it's a possibility to celebrate Christmas together? That didn't happen. We were thinking next then, OK, Easter, Easter's going to happen. We had builders that were thinking all that would work out. And then all the supply issues were taking place. After Easter, we were said, OK, May, we're going to be in May. May passed, nothing happened. You, along with many of us as staff, as, as leaders and as a church, were just wondering what in the world is going on. And then we were said it was June. June's going to happen. And it didn't happen. Now, at some point, I know that I'm just like, oh, for crying out loud, when is this going to happen? And yet we're really close. But there's a disappointment that comes with that. With all that, there were delays, there were higher costs, all this going on in our world, not an easy process. And that may have bled over to your personal lives and things that you've experienced. Maybe COVID has impacted you or your family. Maybe you've lost someone due to COVID. Maybe some have faced some serious illness during this time. Some have issues with taking a shot, not taking a shot. I'm not going to get into that. But there's been conflict as a result of that on a personal level. Some of you have lost the loved ones, people that you've cared about. Recently, we lost my mom. All right. It wasn't necessarily due to COVID, but some illnesses that she was dealing with. And I know during this season, all right, of time here, we wanted to do a memorial, and yet that was put off and put off. So we all have personal things that we're dealing with, all right? Shortages, important shortages like toilet paper. Important shortages like toilet paper. And now baby formula, all right? How many would agree that both those are pretty important? So uh, what we're finding out and studies are showing right now after all the things that have been going on the last couple of years that there's a serious spike in mental illness. There's a lot of emotional upheaval. Marriages, families are facing a lot of trials and difficulties. They are divided and broken in ways that we just can't imagine. I know personally we have a lot of business owners in our church. They have trouble finding workers, trouble workers working. Uh, all a mess in business and retail is taking place, okay? So that's the battle we're facing today. That's kind of the things that we're doing. And the outcome of that is a lot of discouragement and disappointment. What are we building? If we're in the middle of this battle, if we're working on our wall, whatever that is, what are we building? I want to talk to you about that today. We're building a church. Don't be fooled. This building isn't our goal. This building is not the goal. All it is is a tool that God wants to use. It's a great location. It's a great building. If you haven't been here and soon you'll be here, you'll see amazing what a tool this could be for a church. But our heart, our vision as a church is this, empowering all generations to experience life in Jesus. And this building is just a tool for that. Many, many meetings are going to come through the years at this place. Your children, your grandchildren, your Self will be able to come and grow and be a part of what God wants to do here as you experience new life and life in Jesus. Now, I read recently a quote by A.W. Tozier. I want to credit my wife for sending this to me. It fits real well with my message. And he says this, a scared world needs a fearless church. Are we going to be that church? Are we going to let this world and the battle that we face overwhelm us? Or we're going to be dependent upon God like Nehemiah and said that God fought for us and did the work. That's what I wonder if you're thinking about that. Personally, 
Right now, I can tell you as a pastor, I'm in the middle of a lot of heartache. Marriages, separation, divorce, children that have left the home out of anger, all sorts of things like that, all right? Life that works in the middle of the mess. It's only through Jesus that we have a heart and a mind devoted to what God wants to do in our lives. And when I think about that, I want to use this word discipleship. Everybody wants to know the definition. They did a survey of a thousand pastors. They had almost a thousand different definitions saying the same thing. For me, it's pretty simple. Discipleship is just this, gloriously messy. God is the glorious, we're the messy. I don't know about you, but throughout my life and throughout the people I know, life is just messy. And the good in it and the God in it is what makes sense for me. So here's what I want you to think about in your personal life. What are you building? All right. I want you to understand that you need to grow from self-centered to God-centered lives. It's easy for me to be selfish. I began to look at all the things in my life and seriously, over the last few years, had a few woe is me moments, had some pity parties. None of them helped me. And I don't know where you're at today. You're probably at home. Uh, I see the robe, the guy's wearing that robe. That's an ugly robe. Maybe you need to change that out. But anyway, I really can't see you. All right. You can see us. You can hear us. But I know there are people today, maybe hopefully you're at a beach. Maybe you're at home, wherever you're at. Maybe and hopefully you worshiped with our worship team. They do an amazing job. And that's to just set in motion, praising God and releasing God in the middle of your lives. Don't let this video take away from the fact that God right now is at work in your life and wants to change things in your heart. He wants you to grow from self-centeredness to God-centeredness. Now, when that comes, yes, it's building, but it's also a battle at the same time. So what is our battle? What are the things that we face? First, as a church, it is not a physical or cultural war, but it's a spiritual war. I've heard this stated, the hope of the world is in the church. And if you don't believe that, maybe you've seen church as just a religious institution. Maybe it's just something you go to. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe you want your kids in a great kids program. Maybe you like the music. We all like Pastor John's preaching. Maybe all of those reasons are why you come to church. But truthfully, the church is more than that. It is where God has demonstrated how he wants to work in this world. His church is a part of his kingdom. His church is where God does great things. Don't lose sight of that. You are his church. Again, it's not a building. All this is is a gathering place, a place to come together, to corporately worship, to hear the word, to have fellowship, to share, to build relationships, to indoctrinate our kids with the great truth of Jesus, to grow them up in the knowledge of God. The same with our youth, the same with other people from all generations to experience that growing process in God. But there is a battle. Now, I want to tell you, we recognize the fact that for our church, this has been a battle. This is not what we wanted. This is not what we planned. We moved into this knowing that God was doing amazing things. Maybe you're not aware of the story, but it wasn't much over a year ago. We were approached in both of the buildings that JFC owned by outside people who just came to us and made an offer. And we had been praying and seeking God about what our next direction. If you remember our old building, it was a great building. We were there many years, but honestly, folks, 
As a pastor, we knew that we were so limited in what we could do there. Trying to get a meeting schedules or a room schedules was very, very difficult because of the use of it. Today, I stand in one of the kids' rooms and throughout the rest of this building are amazing places to come together. This lobby in this new building is as big as the first floor of our old building. Why is that important? It's important because throughout the week and throughout the weekend, you can gather with friends and families. We're not gonna rush you out. We're not gonna say you gotta get out. We gotta get the next crowd in. We got enough room, we got enough parking for that. All those are issues of progress for us, but it's been hard in many ways. It's hard on our leaders, it's hard on our tech team, it's hard on our worship pastors, it's especially been hard on Pastor John. But we're here today, and in a few weeks, we're gonna be in this building, and the reason is, is that we believe that that in our battle is our victory, that God wants us here. There is progress. Now, maybe in your personal life, the Bible tells us that it's not a physical enemy that we face. We don't wrestle in flesh and blood, but we wrestle in principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. Sometimes we forget that. Maybe you're married. Maybe you're in a relationship with your husband or wife, and sometimes things just seem the out of the ordinary of what a relationship typically goes through. Maybe the enemies at work planting seeds, planting thoughts, trying to create division in that marriage. It grieves my heart every time that a marriage doesn't make it because I know that God wants marriages to work. Is it, is it a thing of judgment or condemnation? No, if, if your marriage isn't working, if things are that. But I just encourage you to continue to look at ways to build that marriage. We have a great counseling team at our church. Uh, I heard this week that uh, a couple uh, just recently came to one of our counselors and the report was it was fantastic, life-changing moments in both these couples' lives and their marriage. Those are the things that we can see God's victory and win the battle on a personal level. Now that battle is manifest in many ways. The Bible talks about our flesh. So we fight on an individual self level. We fight the world, the culture, an amazing battle going on in our culture. Uh, I'm one who believes that, that some people are called to certain aspects of battle. Like some people that maybe in an in in army group might have certain areas of expertise. Well, maybe in the kingdom of God, in your personal life, maybe you are one of those that, that are politically active. And that's where your battleground is. Maybe you're one of those that is an encourager and a counselor to people. Uh, maybe you're one of those that are a prophetic or a prayer person. Whatever it is, all right, I may not have some of those gifts, but the gifts I do have, if they're at work in that area of the world, we can see victory in that. And then finally, in the area of spiritual dominion. Listen, I believe this. I believe the world we're living in is facing a terror of the enemy wreaking havoc all across this world. I see it evident in so many ways, all right? But maybe it's just possible that in the heavenlies that we don't see or know, uh, we're told in scripture like in Daniel where the battle was raging in the heavenlies and the answer didn't come for like 21 days, all right? Who's to say that right now in the heavenlies, in those spiritual places, there's an amazing battle going for this reason. Jesus is getting ready to make it all right. I don't know about you, but that excites me. It excites me to know that no matter what's going on here in my flesh, in this world, in those heavenlies, God is winning. You know, I was thinking about this. I read something the other day. A while back, uh, I haven't watched the Broncos in a while for different reasons. Time, I've been a beautiful new wife and I'd rather be with her than watching games. Anyway, I used to watch the Broncos. And I don't know if you've done this. Have you ever recorded a game? And some people are so, don't let me know. Don't let me know what happened. All right, I'm just the opposite. I was like, 
Let me know the score. And here's the reason. When I watch that game, all right, and the quarterback would throw an interception, I'm not worried. I'm okay. I know, all right, the end is going to be good. No matter what it looks right now, no matter whether we fumbled, we lost the ball, no matter we're not moving it, I know somehow, because I know the score, that our team is going to win. Listen, folks, that Bible tells us right now we're going to win. Right now, the score, the, 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 the ball may be fumbled, whatever, but the score, the end is going to tell us that God wins. And that gives us a sense of peace and awareness and a, a acknowledgement of that. Now, here's what's happening. I want to talk to you about a couple things that I see in people's lives today, in their personal battle. Let me talk about busyness. Busyness. Sometimes we don't have that connection with God that we need because we're too busy doing other things. It is, I think, the big issue in many lives today in the church. We're just too busy. Many of you probably have calendars there. Uh, some of you might remember the day of the day timer and all those things. Uh, I had one, uh, a lot of blank pages. I just never used it. But the point is, is that we continue to, and I talk to so many people throughout the week, business people. They're all busy. They're going from early before sunup till after sunup. They're wanting to squeeze in this event with kids. They're wanting to squeeze in this job. They're wanting to squeeze in this, this group. All that is great, all right? But sometimes too much is too much. Sometimes less truly is more. And I want you to examine your life in busyness. Do you need to scale some things back? And here's what I want you to think about. Do you have time for God? Have you made room in your life for God? Is there time to, in the morning, open up the Word of God and let God speak to you through His Word? Uh, for me, uh, it's worship. I put on great worship stuff. Uh, I'm kind of uh, hooked on the older uh, hymns and things like that. It speaks to me. Uh, I remember growing up, uh, hymns in the church. I remember page numbers of hymns. Uh, I remember all those things. But when they're played, they just, they just reinforce the spiritual development that I had as a child. Are these things a part of your home? Are you spending time just worshiping God? I'm not saying this legalistic. I'm not saying you got to set aside an hour and do this. I'm saying, are you making room for God? Look, let's be honest. We got time for Netflix and Prime Video. We got time for all the other things in our life. We really, really need to know that in our personal lives, the busyness might just be the thing that's keeping us from connecting with God. One of the things I find out is disappointment. A lot of conversations this very week on people that are disappointed. They're disappointed in the church. They're disappointed in their marriage, in their family. They're disappointed in God. And the enemy really can work very effective in the idea of disappointments. I think Satan's best lie is, did God really say that? Is God really good? Is he really able in those kinds of situations? And disappointment can carry over for years. And it can keep you from walking in the faith that you need to have for God to work in your life. Sometimes you have fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, I look at my life. I look at things going on. And I'll be honest, there are days I wonder, hmm, we're going to make it? We're going to get through this? Uh, part of that is just looking at the world and the things that are happening in violence and things like that. Anyway, fear. There's failure. Failure. Where does that look like in your life? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it relationships? I don't know. But for us, for many of us, failure is one of those things that the enemy works in. 
So throughout this week, dealing with all of these things, I give the privilege of sharing life with people, but it isn't the life that I have to give, it's the life of Jesus I have to give. And I wanna point them that way, but here's the truth. I sometimes in a counseling uh, session or a time with people, I ask them, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear or do you want me to tell you what you need to hear? Because a lot of people just want the Band-Aid, they want the fix, all right? They want the quick resolve to their problems without really taking into account the things that they need to be doing from a spiritual standpoint, from a relational standpoint, even from a scheduling standpoint of the things that God needs to do. So the key is this. I think this is important to share with you today. No matter where you're at in the battle, like Nehemiah's group of men and women, all right, they kept doing the work. And so I wanna say to you, keep doing the work. It's an important lesson when you're building and having battle. Now, let me turn this and this is really good. All right, I wanna jump to Joshua at another battle in the Bible. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. The Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. That's Joshua 6.20. Now, we may have grown up in the church, and you've heard that, and there's a song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and all that kind of stuff. It's really good, all right? But I want you to know there's a lot of things that were at work there, a lot of fear, a lot of discouragement in the Israel people. Here is this fortified wall, all right? And it was known to be difficult to overcome. And they're given instructions, all right, to crank up the worship team and start marching around that wall. Now look, if you're a soldier, just put you in their shoes at that day. You got swords and spears and bows and arrows. And they're telling you, look, at the worship guys, the worship gals, they're going to go out in front of you. All right. The macho in them guy would like, OK, man, they're going to get slaughtered. They don't have a chance. But here they are following God's instructions. And they did that. But here's the truth. I want you to pull out from this. This is really powerful. The wall didn't fall the first trip around. Sometimes we just think God can come in and do that and life is good. All right, back to the idea. You just got to keep on working, keep on walking. The wall didn't fall first trip around. Maybe you must be faithful to walk and worship until the victory comes. Let that soak in. Maybe you must be faithful to walk and to worship until the victory comes. In my life, I've had seasons that it was a long time before I saw God's answers. Sometimes saw miracles right away, but sometimes I had to walk a long ways and keep my focus on God before I saw the victory. That's important. Now let me wrap it up with this. This is the good news, okay? The sound, the trumpet was used to celebrate. All right, I don't know about you. We go to Israel and we have an amazing time. We see great things. I know some of you have been, I know many of you would like to go and I encourage you. Pastor John always opens that door to people to go and it's an amazing thing. As a matter of fact, a famous wedding took place there in Israel a couple years ago. Oh wait, that was mine, yeah. I got married in Jerusalem, pretty amazing. All right, but when you're looking over the old city as we're standing there getting married saying I do, and then the next day we went on the rampart of Jerusalem and walked around and began to see the uh, footprint of the old city. All right. And so with Nehemiah, all right, as they built the wall, we're told that they at the end of that celebrated. All right. Let me read you that. So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished. 
just 52 days after we had begun. Now, let me just stop. At JFC, we'd have loved 52 days. We didn't get 52 days. We get almost a year, all right? But they had 52 days. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. Is there a message in that for us? In the completion of this building, is there around us this idea in spiritual places that there is frightened spiritual things? Did God humiliate Satan as your involvement and investment in this building brings it to completion? I don't know that, but I believe that God in this is going to do some of the greatest things our church has ever seen. And so here's the part. It's in there. It's the end of the verse. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. I think we're going to look back years from now and begin to see the little miracles that happened along the way in this building being completed. But it's about a celebration. We've had the building, we've had the battle, but isn't it great to have a good party? Those that know me know I love food, I love people, and you put them together with some good music, even some dancing, a few of you wine, it is a great party, and I love that aspect of life. I enjoy that. So, what do we celebrate as church? I'll make it real simple. The great celebration of our church is the work is done. They climbed up on the walls in Nehemiah and they had a powerful praise party for God. They celebrated. And so I'm telling you, our celebration, our joy, our delight is in this. The work is done. I know this. I know that we've really tried to be very careful at having us see a specific date. I don't know that date. I know that things are coming so close. And I know in the next week or two, we will have some of the best news we've been waiting for maybe over a year to hear. I know it's that close, okay? But here's the truth. There's coming a day, and it won't be very long, when we'll all get the news, it's done. Our first service will be in this building. I hope you can picture with me how amazing that is. When I walk in those doors into that lobby, when I get to see you and shake your hand and give you a hug and just the biggest smile on our faces, when I get to see our worship team on that stage that we've just planned for for, for months, and I see the songs that they put together that talk about the joy of gathering together and celebrating God. When I see Pastor John walk up there for the first message in that auditorium, in that stage, and preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I see you come, when I see you bring your friends, when all of that work is done, we gather together like they did in Nehemiah's time and they just partied and celebrated. I hope in your heart today, you have that same sense, that same desire that I do. What do we celebrate as a people? I'm gonna do a little twist on words here. For the church, the work is done. For the people, the work is beginning. It is our part, our time, our privilege, our honor to begin these things that we've had to hold off on that help you and your family and your grandkids and your friends enter into the process of growing that faith in you, moving from self-focus to God-focus. That is something to celebrate. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready for to see life change go on. I'm ready to see victory go on. I'm ready to see God do some of the most amazing things I think we've seen in our lifetime. 
So the Bible tells us there was a great celebration and dedication in Nehemiah 12. Here's the, here's the thing. The scripture says this, the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. Could be heard far away. Think about this. We're here, yes, we're in the middle of some offices, but there's housing around here. Uh, wouldn't it be great on that first day, uh, JJ and the band, they start and a great noise is heard all over this city. And people are wondering, what is that? What is that noise? And let them know that it is JFC, Jubilee Church, coming together to celebrate God. I don't know about you, but that great noise is going to be heard in this building in a short time to come. Now, my personal opinion is this. Bring out the band, blow the horns, let's celebrate because God is going to do good things. So get ready. Get ready. We're just days away and come celebrate with us. Come have victory with us. Come see the building built and done and the battle won. I encourage you with that today. Thank you for joining us and we appreciate that and we'll be giving you more information later.